Amen. It's that anchor that gets us through the storms, the the dark nights that we face is when we see God reveal himself to us. And understanding and knowing that and listening at that, I believe that church, we're in a time that we're going to see God reveal himself in a way we never have before. We're in the darkness of night in our country and around our world. We're in a darkness of time. And we need an anchor. If we put our anchor in anything else but being planted in the Lord Jesus Christ, It's not going to hold. It's going to slip. And we can look and we can study and understand that the anchor is nothing else than God and Jesus Christ. And he reveals himself in our word. This is where we need to plant ourselves to get through these days. In studying for this message, it's been deeply disturbing I'd like to read to you a couple of headlines and short pieces of several different newspaper articles. On June the 20th, 1985, the New York Times. The admission by a Roman Catholic priest that he sexually abused 37 children entrusted to his care, has aroused a deep sense of betrayal and shame in this small rural community in southwestern Louisiana. Altar boys and members of the parish Boy Scout troop were among those molested by the priest, 40 years old, according to the felony charges. May the 28th, 2015, The BBC News, the British Broadcasting Corporation, headline reads, Methodist Church Apologies for Abuse Spanning Decades. The UK's Methodist Church has made a public apology after an investigation uncovered reports of nearly 2,000 alleged abusers, including 914 allegations involving sexual abuse. An independent inquiry looked at the church's response to complaints and allegations back to 1950. October the 16th, 2018, in the Religious News Service, New York, with striking display of candor, the Episcopal Church is acknowledging the potency of the Me Too movement by officially lamenting its past role in sexual exploitation and pledging steps to combat it. The Protestant denomination's national convention this summer included an emotional session at which first-person accounts of abuse by clergy and other church personnel were read aloud by bishops of the same gender and the victims. Six men, six women. Dioceses nationwide are now seeking to gather and share similar stories from victims in the local churches. 
as a charismatic bishop of the diocese in 1972 to 1989, became one of the nation's foremost liberal Christian activists, supported ordination of women and gays. We can read and we see and we've heard Catholic, we've heard Methodist, we've heard Episcopal. Southern Baptist is not left out. May the 22nd, 2022 in the Washington Post. Leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention on Sunday released a major third-party investigation that found that sex abuse survivors were often ignored minimized and even vilified by top clergy in the nation's largest Protestant denomination. The findings of nearly 300 pages include shocking new detail about specific abuse cases and shine a light on how denominational leaders for decades actively resisted calls for abuse prevention and reform. Evidence in the report suggests leaders also lied to the Southern Baptists over whether they could maintain a database of offenders to prevent more abuse when top leaders were secretly keeping a private list for years. We can't anchor our faith in a denomination. We cannot anchor our faith in any person other than Jesus Christ. In reading these, and there were more and more that could go on, we understand that today we're living in a dark time. I almost entitled this, How to Trust God When It Seems Helpless. When we see what's going on, when we look, and even the, the religious leaders, not that I'm any body different than you. Yes, I am a human. Religious leaders are humans, but they're held to higher standards. And we see that it's been going on through churches, denominations, leadership. There's something a matter with our world today, and that's because the devil's in there. I wanted to bring this today in combination with this is the first Sunday in June. Do any of y'all know what June is? June is the LGBTQ plus pride month. In case you don't know what that is, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, Q plus. There are now some 20 or more letters that go with this because people don't even know what they are anymore. It happened in June as a celebrated Bill Clinton officially declared June as Gay and Lesbian Pride Month in 2000. President Barack Obama expanded the observance in 2011 to the Lesbians, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender Month. If you put your anchor in anything other than God's word, it's not going to hold. There is so much distortion in today's time, and we wonder, how can it happen? Did this really surprise God? Did it just sneak up on God and catch him by surprise? Because we know that what happened, God originally created a perfect world. No, this didn't just slide up on him. 
Adam and Eve ate that apple, sin entered in, and it's become a problem that's getting worse and worse. And I hear people say all the time, look at the signs. We're getting close to Christ's return. But let me say this to you. Hope I don't scare you. When you read in the Bible about the signs of the time, it's the end of the world. There is nothing foretelling us exactly before Christ comes for his people. It could happen today. It could happen at any time. But I believe if we look at the signs, we are getting very, very close. In writing, Paul wrote to Timothy on a number of times, probably one of the last written books of the Bible is 2 Timothy And Paul is writing to 2 Timothy here and he's giving him some last words as he's in prison. We might would say that uh, not necessarily his last will and testament, but his last statement. Would you turn with me today to 2 Timothy chapter 3? And we're going to find out real quickly that this did not sneak upon God. But what we're going to find out more than that is when you leave today, you'll know exactly why it's happening. Why is it that men and women sexually abuse children? Why is it that men and women abuse people? Look at, we see all over the news. We're hearing about shootings everywhere. How is it that people without a conscience can go and just take a life and it not bother them? How can men and women in leadership of religious denominations have sexual relationship with children and adulterers and fornication and it not bother them one bit, get up behind the pulpit the next day and act as if nothing ever happened? That's what's going on in our world today. Would you stand with me as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Paul writing Timothy just before his death. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Amen? We're in difficult times right now. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malice, gossip, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these." For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men of deprived mind, rejected in regard to the faith, But they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus and Jambres' folly was also. Father, today, thank you for your word. 
Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would help us to hear from Holy Spirit. Father, you would speak through me. And that, Father, we could see the hope that's in you. Father, where our foundation is, where our future is, and the need for your grace and mercy and bloodshed of your son for us. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So we see in these verses right here that Paul's writing to Timothy and he's talking about in in the last days. And we see as every day goes by, it seems to get worse and worse and worse. He said that men will become lovers of self. Men are talking here, men and women, people will become so engrossed in who they are that no one else matters. They love their self first. It says they'll become lovers of money, boastful and arrogant. Do we see that in leadership in different denominations today? Do we see it in people that think, oh, look at me, what I've achieved, how great I am. They puff up their own chest. It's about them. It's not about the church of Jesus Christ. It's about, look at what I'm doing. Look at the policies that I've put in. Look at the resources that I've created. Come and follow what we're doing. We're growing. Look how great we are. It says they'll be arrogant and they'll be revilers, those who defame and slander people. Do we see that today at all? It's all about me, and to make me look good, I'm going to put everyone else down. It says they're disobedient to parents. We don't have to look very far today to see that. Ungrateful, unholy, living in opposition to God. If anyone is living in opposition to this word right here, they're living unholy. They're living against what God's standards were. It says that they're going to be unloving. They're hated. They're hatred. They're vile. That's, I believe, how we see these people and just go and kill someone and not think about it. This hatred has so far built up and all they're worried about is their self. They're in their irreconcilable malice, their gossip, no self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, that's being a traitor or betrayed or reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's how all these news articles that I just read to you, I copied pieces of them and put on here. That's how they made the newspaper. Because of people doing those things, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is love of pleasures of the world. You know, some people think that's the only way you can have pleasure. It's the only way you can have fun. The only way you can have love is to go out after these useful lusts and think about yourself only. Well, I'm here to tell you it's a bunch of baloney. I can live the Christian life and I can live according to this word the best that I can. Let me tell you, I can have pleasure. I can have fun. And my pleasure is more pleasure than theirs because it brings me true joy because I'm within God's confines for my life. But we see these people all around that have become lovers of self. 
Lovers of pleasure. What pleasure they get out of going and shooting up a classroom of kids. I can't tell you that. What pleasure someone gets for taking a child. One story I read. Just went on. Pastor takes a child into the pastor's office. And over years rapes that child. And thinks there's not a thing wrong with it. Over and over. These things happen. They have become, this world is becoming self-seeking. When we look at these that I read here, they're all dealing with leaders. I mean, it happens with the other people in the church too. But uh, these leaders that we're looking, I think right here, verse 5 says, they hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Before we are a born-again believer, before we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our King, our boss, and our master is none other than Satan himself. But the moment, church, that we come to God and we get washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and we confess our sins and we call on him to save us, we're free from that right here. Holding to a form of godliness, our world, our leaders, our pulpits have become filled with men proclaiming to have godliness. But yet they have denied its power. They have not let the power of Holy Spirit come in them. It says how they learn and they learn, but they never get the knowledge. They've not allowed the Spirit to change them. And tells us there that to avoid such men, it reminds me of, let me just read to you Matthew 7, 15. It says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Who can we turn to we can't turn to the leadership in the church. If we can't go to those who are supposed to be setting the example, those who are supposed to be teaching us, those that we put our weight and oftentimes we put our anchor into, which rightfully so we should. God has called them to be the under-shepherd and to shepherd the church. But if this stuff, these headlines are going on, where do we put the anchor? Let me tell you, you don't put it in this building right here. I'll assure you that. And I'll tell you, you don't put your anchor in me. We put our anchor in none other than Jesus Christ and his word. When we get planted in his word is where the difference comes in. But do you see there that it says that for among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses. They're led on, these men and women are led on by various impulses. How is it that we can take our nation aside? Let's just not look at these headlines for a minute. But what about that one with the, uh, I can't ever get it right, the LGBTQ? How in the world... Can men and women like the opposite sex and get pleasure out of that? Do you know, and I believe, and y'all have probably heard some of these words, but if you go and you do searches on the internet, there are what's called algorithms. 
And when you do a search, it searches for those words and it pulls things up. And this month when you go and you begin to search those words, it fills up the screen. I was curious. Let me tell you what I searched on this morning. I said, I put in Bible, homosexual, and hell. Do you know probably any other month it would have led me straight to 1 Corinthians? We're going to look at that in just a minute. But do you know every, everything that showed up on my screen was how it's okay that the Bible is wrong in what it's saying. Was I, I should have copied some of those things. The Bible wasn't talking about sexuality, it said. Well, baloney, Sodom, and Gomorrah, they had a sexual problem. It's very clear. God's word tells us, this. but because of our society, and I believe because of this month, when you look at they don't want it. I was told just the other day, meeting with some pastors, that there is actually a Bible out there now. Well, let me rephrase that. Excuse me. There is a book out there that they're calling the Bible, which looks very similar to yours, but is altered to be gay and lesbian friendly. Because people are lovers of self. We've got to get beyond ourselves and get on to what God says. But verse 9 says that they will not make further progress for their folly will be obvious to all. We see in other parts of scripture, beware your sins will find you out. The Southern Baptist Church for well over two decades, they did this study that was just released going back to 2000 at the cover-up. Not just that it was happening, but they were covering it up so no one would know. Well, why would you do that? I'll tell you. Because a pastor, we'll just say, is in state A. We'll just say New York. And he molests a child and it becomes found out. Well, it's covered up and then this pastor goes to state Louisiana and no one knows. And it happens again. And he goes to another state and it happens again. That's the problem with covering it up. The Southern Baptists has known something's going on for a while. Last year in convention, there was a motion made from the floor to form a committee. Actually, I think a resolution was put in. And because of the way it was worded, the resolution committee said that they would not bring it before the floor. And probably for the first time in I don't know how many years, the congregation, the members of the Southern Baptist Convention, voting members stood up and overrode the committee and said, we want a task force formed to look at what's happening and it was then brought to a vote, and by a unanimous, almost, vote, they formed this task force. And after a year of researching, they have come out and have released, I think, over 700 names of pastors, staff members, deacons, what was considered leadership that has been in this sexual abuse thing and has been covering it up. And now that it has come to light, the current executive committee is doing what they can as quickly as they can. There was one member on the uh, higher up in the executive committee. uh, And when the complaints would come in, he would basically tell them, there's nothing we can do. There's no need for us to even talk. And they would just cover it up. 
There was one I think I shared with Miss Madeline. There was one, this lady, she kept pushing to get into the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee. They finally agreed to let this lady come. They refused to allow her to bring a confidant or anyone into the room with her. They allowed this lady to come into a room full of men and began to tell how she was brutally raped. Only to come in and begin her talk and many of the committee get their chairs, turn them around and sit down. People have become lovers of self. We've got to be anchored into God's word. And it tells us all through God's word. And how many years this has been going on, who knows. All these people thinking, I'm free. I was never caught. Their folly will be obvious to all. And it is. Because these names, 700 of the names that they say are credible, ones that they know, have been released. They are working on um, setting up some stuff where they can keep record of this. But difficult times will come. And I believe in this world we're in a difficult time. I believe as Southern Baptists we're in a difficult time with this coming out. What do we do? You know, this is heartbreaking for me. I mean, I've heard of it in all these other denominations and that was heartbreaking. But when it comes home... How should we live? We would all agree that what we've read is wrong. What we've read in these news articles are wrong. What are we to do? Let's look there at 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 10. Paul writing to Timothy, he's saying these times are coming. These things are going to happen. They're going to be all around you. Timothy, you're going to be under attack. And then he picks up and he says, now you followed my teaching. Conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecution, and suffering, such as happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and in Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ will be persecuted, but evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived you however continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus He's telling this is how you need to live. But there's a warning in here for us. If you're going to live this way, if you're going to live with faith and patience and love, perseverance. He says persecutions and sufferings are coming. And I believe we experience them today. I believe we're going to experience them more in the future. I believe men of God who stand behind a pulpit and preach the whole Bible are going to face more persecution. Why are we where we are today? Why is all of this happening? I believe because many churches have gotten away from one subject. And that's hell. Hell is a real place. 
The Bible tells us that it's burning brimstone. It's hotter than anything we can imagine. I'd heard a study one time, and you know, when you're a teenager, you don't really pay attention. I wish I would have wrote this down and found out exactly where it came from. But there was a pastor who had done a study, and there's a point when fire gets so hot that it turns to liquid. What do we hear about a lake of fire? And there's a point that it becomes so hot that it goes dark, utter darkness. So there is scientific evidence for what's described of the lake of fire and the darkness that's there. But it's beyond anything that we can ever imagine. And those who choose to go to hell, in one aspect, are similar to those of us who choose to go to heaven. And that's it. They will live on forever. They will feel that torment forever. But they choose to because God offers, it tells us right here, God offers salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. It says here we need to live that godly life and expect it to get worse. But he said, you've known from childhood, these writings, this is where our anchor goes right here. And the anchor that wrote this, God, will hold us through any storm that we go through. Praise the Lord. And he says right there, that from childhood, able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Church, I don't care what you've done. God doesn't care what you've done. God doesn't care what you've done. At the foot of the cross. There is forgiveness for anyone who will truly repent of their sin. Jesus died on that cross. It tells us for whosoever will. Not any stipulation, but those who will by faith come to Christ admitting their sins, fall on their face before God and receive the bloodshed of Jesus Christ to be washed over them can find forgiveness. It's through faith. There is hope in this dark world. And many of those hopes are sitting right here because every one of us who are a believer in Jesus Christ has Christ in us and Christ is light. That's why I love when we come together on Christmas Eve and we have that candlelight service that we can blind this room out into utter darkness and one, one candle lit dispels the darkness. There is no darkness that can overcome even one candlelight. There's no darkness that can overcome Jesus Christ. But as we begin to light those candles representing salvations and lives of us, this room becomes bright. We can see and the more that's there, we can turn to him in faith in these difficult times and we can put our anchor there and be sure that that anchor's not going to move. What this word says will stand the test of time. I can assure you of that. There have been many who have died because of that. 
What do we do? What do we do? Let's look at these last two verses. Verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching. That's the first thing we need to do. We need to be teaching God's word. I need to be teaching God's word, but you're not off the hook. You need to be teaching God's word. All of us have influence over someone. It's for reproof and for correction to to get us on the right path because it tells us over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, listen to 9 and 10. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infamous, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. They won't. But what is it talking about when it's listing those people? Those are the people who are taking that as a lifestyle. They're continuing to do it over and over and over again against God's word that says all through it that homosexuality is wrong. And those that choose to live that lifestyle, they say it's okay, that's iniquity. The saying evil's good and good is evil. That's where we're at today. Those are the people who are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. It's not saying that someone who has had sex with the same sex person once in their lifetime and realized and had then learned that it was wrong, asked for forgiveness, gone to Jesus Christ, that they won't inherit the kingdom of heaven because they will. But it's those who continue to live that lifestyle and say it's okay. I've met some, I've talked with them, I've shared with them, and I've pleaded with them. They see nothing wrong with it. But they're living the unholy life. And it tells us right here that they're not going to receive heaven. Because they chose, not that God chose, they chose to live in opposition But when we turn to his word, it will correct. It's for training in righteousness. And here it is. Why do we need? Why did God give us this? Verse 17. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. While the day is dark and it weighs heavy on your pastor, what's going on? There's hope in this world. And that hope comes through none other than Jesus Christ himself. That hope that is available to all because of a baby that God sent. The son of God who went to the cross. The most humiliating, the most heinous of persecutions at his time. As an innocent young man, spit upon, beaten, made fun of, walked and paraded down the street and put up on that cross for all to see. And his heart was light. We see the cross, we know it's his position, but I, I just can't help but think. Jesus was standing there with his arms open. I love you. 
All who come, come on, all who come, he'll wrap his arms around. That's our hope today. Do you have that hope? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how long you've been a part of church. Doesn't matter what denomination. It's crazy in all of them right now. Doesn't matter how many times you've walked the aisle. Doesn't matter how many times you've been in a baptistry. It's only one that counts. And that's when you knew that in your life you had sin. And that Jesus Christ died for you regardless of what it is. There's nothing too bad that his blood can't cover it. Have you had that true experience in your life? If not, in just a moment, I'm going to ask that you come talk to me. Because I promise you, there's not a soul in this room who believes in God that's going to laugh at you. That's going to think, them? I've been here forever. No, they're going to be rejoicing. But the thing is, is that if you miss this opportunity, there may never be another opportunity for you. We could walk out this door, pull out here on this highway and get hit. We'd have a heart attack before I even finished talking. What matters is have you been to the foot of the cross? If you've never done that sincerely, or if you even have a, any question or a doubt, please come and see me before you leave. Then I'm going to ask you, where are you at if you're a believer? If you say, Pastor, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm going to heaven. Christ has saved me. I've got my train ticket. Hell's been scratched out. Heaven's been wrote on it. But are you living the way you should? Do you need to come today? Just come to these altars and confess to the Lord. I want every one of us, when we leave, sincerely, with the truth of all, I want everyone to leave today knowing that they are perfectly right with God and no hesitation that they would meet their maker and wouldn't be ashamed. Would you bow your heads? Father God, Lord, I just come to you, Father, Lord, right now. Father, I ask that as never before, Father, you would allow the power of Holy Spirit to move through this room. Father, as we celebrate today, Pentecost Sunday, Father, your Holy Spirit coming to earth and indwelling in believers, Father, would you allow that power to fill this room? Father, would you soften hearts to hear Holy Spirit speaking? Father, would no one deny you speaking to them right now? Father, I just pray, Lord, if there's people here that these altars are open, Lord, that you would just send them. If they just need to come to these altars, Lord, maybe, Father, they have sin in their life they want to repent to you. Father, maybe they just want to come and lift up, Father, the Southern Baptist Convention, Father, the survivors and their families. Father, if there's anyone here today, Lord, that doesn't know you or even questions that, 
Father, would you not let them leave today without the assurance? Lord, it's free. You offer it to all. If you would just stand where you are, I'm just going to ask that you allow your heads to remain bowed. Just listen to me for a moment. If you're a born-again believer right now and you are perfectly right with God and there's nothing for you to be ashamed about, I'm going to ask that you just start praying that the Spirit would move in this room. Be that prayer warrior for souls right now. Now I'm going to ask you, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, Jesus died on the cross for our sins to offer it freely. We can't earn it. If you've never received that, I'm just going to ask that you slip out right where you are. Don't hesitate. Don't worry about anybody else. Just make your way down here and let me share with you. It won't take long. Greatest decision of your life. When we're living in such a dark world, what a way to add more light to it. Because there is no hope without Christ. Is there anything in your life that you need to to get right with God? He already knows he's not ashamed. This is the opportunity for that. You just let spirit speak.